shit. Yeah, because Rusty was just like, dude, I'm not going to. I told him, he was like, why didn't you call me? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't know you, right? Like, I didn't thought you were going to take it from me. He was like, no. He's like, why would I do that? It doesn't. I just want to make, make money sense. with you, right? Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Welcome to part two of this episode where we talk about house flipping. Uh, if you haven't checked out the first one, be sure to go back and give it a listen. Otherwise, we're going to jump right back in where we left off. Happen. I got this deal. We're knocking this, this one out of the park. Happen. Yeah. So I called them first and I was just like, just give me a quote that you think's fair, right? Yeah. We went down to the property. It was about 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. They quoted it and they were like, they were like, here you go. Here's our official quote. We can do all this stuff, right? I gave him the quotes. It chopped his quotes more than in half. Nice. And he was like, who the fuck are these people? Who are, yeah. yeah. Who How are did you people? do this? And I was like, they're, they're people I know. Right? I'm motivated. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, well, shit. Okay. And I go, I want you to keep me in the loop from this point on. I want to learn. And yeah. he was like, okay, fine. So I started learning. Right. But it wasn't like he'd call, call me up and be like, come shadow me or yeah, some yeah. shit like that. But you call Ryan at this point because to get him involved or Ryan's still training and he's like, he he's thinks it's the coolest thing. So at this point, Ryan is starting to do stuff with, but in a different way. Uh-huh. So he's buying his first house. In right. addition to buying his first house, he starts going at the time in California, the housing supply was so low that builders were actually having people on these huge waiting lists. So you could sign up get a loan or get a property in contract close on the property and sell it on the same day to somebody else oh wow and you would make a spread and he did and that? he so he was working on that part of it yeah nice. so he started learning about that at that time he didn't start doing that until i want to say like a few years later mm-hmm. um and he i think he had like three or four houses. it was nuts it was stated yeah. income loans and arms and that's the whole thing Damn. that you know that movie was about He's uh, doing big things it was yeah so it, it was crazy but anyway so we do this deal it takes six months which is a long time it is a long time so it takes six months it gets all done granted there's a lot of work i think even today it would still take a month or two just to get it fixed up because it was so much work to do yeah um it gets finished half the price the market's just cruising along going up 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 so it's building more and more equity in it and then during the six month period are you doing anything besides i'm learning, going like in trying to find i'm trying deals? to find more deals i'm going into his office that sort of thing and um and we end up putting it on the market. It sells in like seven days for five fifteen. Oh wow! And so he goes into contracts. So he calls me again. Hey, Thomas, come in the office. I'm like, I go in. He goes, you know, this is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Your forty percent is huge, right? Like yeah. it's like it's so the the deal I think netted us like eighty eight thousand dollars mm-hmm. or eighty thousand something like that. And I was going to get thirty three grand or thirty thirty grand. I don't remember. It was thirty one something like that. Something like that. So I'm like, I don't want you taken off to Mexico. So no, it was, he was trying <laughs> to renegotiate it. with me. Why? Yeah, exactly. Right. So I'm like, he's like, this is too much money for you to have. No, he was just like, I think he felt like he was taking too much of the risk and he was only getting 60% and he uh-huh. saw that big number and he didn't really think about the long term. Yeah. So he sits me down and he goes, there's a lot of money. Like I, you know, 40% like, Ugh, right. Like he's trying to get me <laughs> to volunteer. Right. And I change it. Yeah. And I go, you're right. It is. And I just stared at him. (laughs) (laughs) 
until he looked away, right? I was now just like, what? don't break eye contact, right? And I remember being scared Rule number as one shit. in real estate school. Yeah, he's like 40-some, you know? I'm like 18, 19 years oh old. Oh, my God. And I'm just like, just giving him the, the fucking stare, you know? And, and I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of money. I go, yeah, I did. I, I'm glad that I got the bids cut in half. I'm glad. Like, I start explaining, yeah. right? Like, I go, Making I think, you know... He's like, I just don't know if this is like a fair deal. And I said, look, think about it like this. How much more money are you going to make from my efforts? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is just the first one. Sure. And he's just like, like, finally gives in. He's like, okay. So are you an officially an employee at that point? No, 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 no. No, this is just a partnership on one deal. Right? So deal closes out. He gives me a check. I walk into the bank. Right? I'm feeling good. (laughs) I got this thirty thousand something dollar check. I walk yeah. up. I go. I want to cash this check, right? Do you have an account? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the okay. local credit union, they look at the check. They look at me. <laughs> they look back at the check. And they go, uh, "Give me just a sec." So they go. Do you have bring more the manager forms open. of ID? Yeah. Yeah. They come. Manager comes over. So where'd you get this check? I did a real estate deal. This is, is a this, lot of money, right? It's fucking name? older people. This is a lot of money. Yes, I'm How do aware, you have this? right? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to take my real estate course? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I end I up show you how to make this. I, I end up telling uh, the guy, I'm like, okay, look, like he's like, well, we have to validate that the funds are there, and we have sure. to do this and that for this kind of check. It's gonna take a few days. It's gonna take, yeah, a couple of weeks is where it's said, clear. Right? A I'm few like, weeks. It was like ten, seven to ten business days. Okay, so can I get a which grand is, for tonight? Yeah, so I'm like, it's fine. Right. Like whatever. Put I'm not in, in a rush. Account. Put it in my account. And so every day I was like checking to see if my account balance. Refresh. Is it pending still? Yeah. yeah. Is it is it going to be <laughs> is it going to be cashed? And finally, I just remember getting the bank statement and seeing all those dollars. This and Taco Bell like, ain't going to buy God, itself. I did it. Yeah. And then I quit my job two weeks later. And oh, my God. I was like, I'm, I'm out because I you- made in that. Did and you tell everybody? I made more I on that deal than I did grand. for. Yeah, oh yeah, all my all my coworkers they knew. I was like, like there's as soon no as this way. deal goes through, I'm quitting. Of course, like I sound like a nut job, right? Yeah. Like I'm quitting. Whatever. I'm winning lottery. I'm rich, bitch. Yeah, and then and then it happens, and it's more than I was getting paid at the time for an entire year. Did you feel and a I little conflicted, a little scared? Like this is really happening? Kind of like I'm afraid to go to this house. No. What if they say yes? No. No. After that, the big dick was still swinging. <laughs> it was swinging. Yeah. So, so what ends up happening is, um, I decided I wanted. Okay. So rewind a little bit before that deal. There was uh, another deal, um, and I believe this might be one of your questions. In the six month period. Yeah, in the six month period when I was working You're at waiting. the place before I started looking for a place to actually move into and stumbled into that deal, mm-hmm. I had stumbled into another deal and it was like a fucking lottery ticket and I had no idea. And I had Rusty's contact info, but I was so scared to call him because I was afraid he was going to screw me over. And so I didn't call him and I missed the opportunity to do the deal. When I called him and I sat down with him, it was a day late. Mm -hmm. So this basically... Was this one of your missed deals? Is yes. That, okay. The big missed deal? Oh, dude. That's a later question, but sure, jump into is it, it now. Okay. Well, I mean, it just said You might as nicely. well. Yeah. Okay, look, so... Time, timeline it. There was, it this, there was this... Uh, the first deal I really found... My... There was a... Uh, it was when the market had peaked in like... I think it was like 03. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was O2, somewhere in there. It was, it was going up like crazy. And this guy who had developed a a good portion of this particular city came to town. My family had lived in this town for so long that my uncle was renting one of this guy's units and he knew the guy, Mm -hmm. right? From back when they lived here and there was just farmland everywhere and shit. Yeah. 
So he introduces me to this guy. His name's Bob. My uncle Greg introduces me to Bob and he says, this is my nephew. He's interested in real estate. I'd like for you to talk to him a little bit about real estate. And you're 18 at this point. Yeah. 18, 19, somewhere around there, maybe 20, right? It's right around the same time. Yeah. I had taken the course, but I hadn't done anything yet with it. Yeah. And I'd already docked on the doors and was kind of like about to give up. And we had already met with Rusty, but mm-hmm. we hadn't, I hadn't called him at all for, for any kind of uh, advice since we met with him. Cause I was yeah, afraid he was like, going to screw us. Card, call yeah. Me. So I meet with this guy and this guy opens what's called a tentative map. So that's basically a diagram of a neighborhood that has not been built yet. Sure. And it's got all the specs on it for what you can do in terms of like how big the, the lots have to be. Mm-hmm. But in, in a tentative map, this tentative map had been approved by a city council, which for context, it takes six to 12 months, sometimes longer yeah. to get these things approved. And it had been approved years ago and it's good for so many years. So he goes, look, young man, I'm going to throw you a bone. He goes, here's... I'll sell you this land. Uh-huh. And I think it was like he wanted like, I don't know, 200 grand or something uh-huh. like that. Okay. And he was like, I'll sell you this land for 200 grand. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you got four days to figure this out. Oh, shit. Yeah. Here's my number. Give me a call. And he goes, oh. do you know what this is? And I go, no. And he goes, this land is over here in this area. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I know where that's at. And he goes, these are you can you can put I think it was like build houses twenty houses or something yeah and it was all sectioned Holy off shit and he goes yeah it was five acres right yeah. and he goes so what you can do is you can actually probably because the laws have changed on minimum square footage size for a lot you could probably squeeze an extra five to ten houses on here mm-hmm. he goes so for this two hundred thousand it was like two forty or two fifty something like that it's right still so I'm like okay cool. <laughs> So I'm trying to figure this out. I'm reading. I I don't even barely sleep, right? I'm like, tr- I'm just trying to figure it out on my own. Like, who do you know that you can get that money from? You well, I could have called Rusty, right? could have called Rusty. But I didn't trust it. Shit. Yeah, because Rusty was just like, dude, I'm not going to. I told him, he was like, why didn't you call me? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest, man. I don't know you, right? Like, I didn't thought you were going to take it from me. He was like, no. He's like, why would I do that? It doesn't. I just want to make, make money sense. with you, right? Yeah. It, it, it just, it. Does it still eat at you? It does, man. But if had I not had that experience, mm-hmm. then I don't know where I would be right now. You might I mean, not like pulled I pulled the trigger on the second one. I might not have, or I might have never found it, or I might. You know what I mean? There's so yeah, much. Yeah. So many things happen the at the right time for this. Yeah. So it's an interesting story. It's really fucking crazy. I mean, it's a lotto ticket for a million dollars, right? So like, this yeah. guy was he. Was he willing to give you any other deals? Not Rusty, but no. the guy, the other guy. No, that was it. Like there was nothing. He was a that... cool ass dude. He kept in touch with me. I don't think he's even alive anymore. Uh, um, I, we we lost touch. I think like probably maybe seven years after he left town because he yeah. was here. He had like hundreds of houses, an apartment complex. He owned. You remember Green Tree Golf lot. Course? Yeah. He owned that. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> like he it's was a desolate big deal, now dude. though. Yeah, he sold. I mean, he sold that to I think like a real estate agent or some shit, or That's it was crazy, like the dude. land next to it. I don't, dude. He had. You a, don't even know what you have, and it just huge. You find out after, and that's just a, such a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay, so let's jump into some of the questions I have for you now sure. that we've got the the train moving. So, what would you say are the most important people to have as part of your team for flipping houses? And you started to get into this earlier, and you talked about. How you started to build your your crew? So you're a guy that flips houses, and you, or you're thinking about flipping houses, and you get out of a class. Maybe somebody takes these you know multi thousand dollar courses, and they yep. want to build a crew. So who do you get, and why? 
It depends on your overall goal. But one thing that really comes to mind, like key players mm-hmm. would be like, you want to network with other people doing the same thing. That are flipping houses. Yeah, because some of those people don't flip them. Some of them sell the contracts. That's mm-hmm. called an assignment. So they'll assign the contract to somebody else for a fee. So like, let's say you have a $100,000 property. You buy it for 50 grand. You put 10 grand into it. You mm-hmm. sell it. After fees and stuff, you walk away with 30. Okay, so let's sure. say the fees and whatnot are all 10 grand, right? When you sell, resell fees, taxes, all that shit. Make it easy. So that's a $30,000 profit. This guy who is doing that deal might not have the money or maybe he does but he does his his or bigger deals more profitable deals sure so he might go hey i'll give you this deal you can make 20 grand mm-hmm. but you got to give me 10 grand up front so he he only makes one third the price but there's no risk right yeah, for him still- those are called and he knows you yeah, those are called wholesale deals. Mm-hmm. Um, people who go find those sometimes are referenced as bird dogs. It's mm-hmm. called assigning a contract or contract flipping or selling contracts or, you know, there's a lot of terminology. But at the end of the yeah. day, you're wholesaling real estate, right? Sure. Like, so. Um, so good to network with other people that are flipping houses. Yeah, because sometimes. I mean, even if it's not just for that, just to have a, another a resource that you can lean on. for. Yeah, imagine if I had 10 Rusties, right? Yeah. Like, or 100 Rusties, right? And this wasn't something I learned at the time. But later on in my career, I did, you know, we ended up having that kind of situation where we kept a database of other people flipping houses. Mm-hmm. Also, um, another really important one would be to establish a really good relationship with title companies. Mm-hmm. Because the title companies are the ones who process all the paperwork. Yeah. when you're actually flipping the house. So in some circumstances, you want real estate agents as well, but mm-hmm. the real estate agents don't really need to be people... Like you need an agent to list properties for you when sure. you resell them, unless you are an agent, which will save you some money. Yeah. But like once you become a professional real estate agent, there's other risks involved. You're held to a specific standard because you're licensed to practice real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So I never got my license. Like I passed the exam. All I had to do was go pay the fee and get fingerprinted Just and not swear in or whatever, you know? And <laughs> yeah. well, no, it was because I was running this company. We were flipping like, didn't make like sense. around 50, 60 houses a year. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't make sense for me. What was it? 50, 60 houses. No, I think it was around, I think it was around 30 houses a year at the time. And I just, um, it would be a higher risk than I needed to have. I didn't want to represent, like the main reason why you get a real estate license is not to sell real estate on your own behalf. It's to represent clients. Yeah. But I don't like working with people when it comes to real estate because people don't fucking listen. They, <laughs> they, you know, that seems to be a theme with you. <laughs> man, they just don't listen and they lose a lot. I had I can't tell you how many family and friends hit me up and they'd ask me questions and then they'd be like, my real estate agent sucks. Can you help me? Sure. And they want me to help them for free. And I would do it because you I love them. my family and friends. Sure. And I'd give them advice give and them the motherfuckers truth. would never listen to me. They wouldn't believe me. And then yeah. later on, like years later, they'd be like, man, I fucked should've, up. I should have listened to you. Listened yeah, to no shit. Said. Yeah, because I was doing it. And maybe they didn't realize my experience or whatever. Yeah. It's not like I was online talking about it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah. All right. So title companies, other people flipping houses. Definitely contractors if you're going to actually be doing the work. And how um, are you, How are you? I guess, vetting these contractors? And I mean, you saw me them. do it on one of the podcasts, right? Yeah, you absolutely. were bitching about it. You were like, <laughs> why do you have so many people stopping by? Right? So, But I mean, are you are you getting these people word of mouth? You know they're good. Word of mouth, reviews online. Yeah. Um, they do work for, you know, this, you know, Jimmy Bean real estate, whatever it is, right? Like, and I would think you want to have a 
a good a, num- a good number of these people because you know well, you some are going to be get, busy and you so. start to get in a groove once yeah. you have your team and you start figuring out okay this guy can do this work competently but I need somebody specialized to do this so like you always want to have a roofing company that's licensed to do roofing yeah do the roofing and it's not necessarily because a general contractor can't do it is that the general contractor is going to sub that job out and they're going to charge 10% on top of whoever they sub it to. And they're just going to make a free 10%. You don't want them making a free 10%. You want that money, right? So build your network. Don't be lazy. Um, The title company is really important because they help with things like uh, finding properties that are in foreclosure or validating information about foreclosed properties. And they they would give you that list. Yeah, they would. Or you provide them with a list. Like what we used to do is we would provide them with a list and then they would take that list and they would go. There's always a disclosure like you can't hold us liable if we're incorrect, but it's accurate information. And so the information would basically tell us like, oh, they have child support liens they're going to carry over or taxes that are going to carry over if you buy this particular property at the Mm -hmm. auction. So you might have a a house that's worth 500,000. It goes to auction. You're also going to be open for this. Yeah, and you might money. yeah you might buy it for four hundred thousand. Good info to know. That's it's that's definitely super a benefit to... super big deal. Yeah. yeah, so you you go in, you buy it for four hundred thousand, and you think nothing's wrong with it. Everything looks good, right? You somehow know that everything's perfect, and you're just gonna have to put it on the market and sell it, and you're gonna make a quick thirty grand or twenty grand or something. Sure. And then you don't do your due diligence, and you don't see that there's you know these. Um, fifteen. These other liens, yeah, and what ends up, debt. yep, and what ends up happening is you have this situation where the lien carries over because of the type of lien it is, and they actually owe fifty thousand dollars in taxes, and oh, now instead of you making twenty grand, you're losing thirty, right? Because yeah. that fifty eats up your initial twenty k plus an extra, and then you're fucked. Yeah, so you really got to know the legal end of it by going through the title company, a super key player. So what was the average time for flipping houses? I would imagine it, it just depends like on a case by case basis for houses Were there, aside from houses that were in foreclosure, when you found those houses, were there certain types of deals that you were looking for when you were looking for something that's key for you that would be a good fit? Um, a lot of the time you look for, you. I used to say this a lot, it was that the deals aren't found, they're made. Yeah. So um, it's not really about finding a deal where the property's broken. Like, I guess the ideal deal, right? That's what people think of, I think. Yeah. When they think about flipping houses, like, they think what, of, what do I have to fix? No, like, I've done deals where literally we put three grand in and it was back on the market in, like, days. And I've done deals where, again, it took six months, right? Was that and then, because it... That was like the bare minimum you really needed to do to yes. get it sellable. It's not like on the TV shows where yeah, they're like, like, oh, we're, we're going to rip down these We're going to make this and... house look like a castle. Like, like all this needs is paint. Yeah, exactly. And somebody will buy it. Yeah, and it depends on the neighborhood too, right? So there's – there's um like if you go on, oh, you need to be able to comp. You need to be able to figure out what the house is worth before you buy it because yeah. your deal – your money is made really when you buy, not when you sell. I mean like – in theory, you buy it at such a good rate that you have all this equity in, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to know what it's going to resell for. Exactly. You need to calculate all this stuff out. Like, if you don't have a way to calculate it, you can buy, like, again, there's classes. There's there's P&L templates online. I, we had our own custom one that we used. Um, so are you working with people also uh, that give you the comps? No, I comped everything. 
Well, because I worked for the real estate office that I worked at, I had mm-hmm. access to the MLS. And ah, so okay. it can pull all that data. And I got really good at figuring out how that's much. Good. That's a super important skill is understanding imagine. like what you can resell it for in a given condition. And you've got the data to back it up. Yeah. That's so you want to go deal. on and look at like, it's kind of like figuring out how to sell something on eBay, right? So like, what, would be, what would be some of the lower budget items that you could focus best on. Best bang for the buck. Yeah, best bang for the buck paint. when you're flipping the house. Paint, obviously. Front yard, paint, carpet. Uh, the backyard, you can tear it out and you can just make it dirt, basically. So if it looks like shit, you just clean it up. You don't need to make it all pretty and fucking yeah, fancy. Just make and it put dirt. Put a pool in it. <laughs> yeah, even even not just making it dirt, just trimming it and cleaning it so it's edged and looks good. You pull all the crappy weeds. I hate rose bushes. I always pull those out because they look all scraggly. Yeah. Um, the getting a two year roof cert is a requirement for somebody to be able to get a loan mm-hmm. on a property. Two so year roof cert meaning what? In California, lenders will not lend. I don't know about the rest of the country, but in California specifically, certain lenders, like a majority of lenders, won't lend on a house that can't get a two year roof cert certification. Mm-hmm. So you need a roofer to come out and go, Hey, yeah, we can certify that this is guaranteed to hold up for the next two years and mm-hmm. without leaks. Just and shit. two years. Just two years minimum. Interesting. Right? And sometimes they'll come out and they'll be like, well, there's, see, the roofers are sneaky. It's always like, oh, well, you got to put 500 bucks in. Like, I've never had a flip that wasn't at least like $500 in roof work. You got to do something. Y'all motherfuckers are some (laughs) savages. (laughs) We know. Yeah. You're not going to get up here and do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like come slap a little fucking sticker patch on and they're like, you're good to go. That was 500 bucks, right? Like, what? Come on, man. So what determines if you really dig into a house in terms of like, redoing the bathroom or not even redoing just fixing it up a little bit or doing the bare minimum a more high-end area is going to command more customization more pretty stuff that a lower sense. end area where the average sell like so if you're selling a house and the average sale price is a million dollars it's gotta have some nice shit in it they're expecting some nice they're, yeah things. it doesn't have to be again grandiose and all this extra exactly. you don't need to put a fucking pool in right but like it should have its best foot forward in it terms should of if people are expecting you know xyz yeah. in the bathrooms and maybe you should yeah so like like, for example, uh, in a in a house that we would have sold for, let's say, at the time, $750,000, right? That house would have, like, really pretty granite counters, completely brand new kitchen. The kitchen would be really big. Um, in a house that was going to sell for $250,000 at that time, which would have been a lower-end house, like yeah. a three-bedroom, one-bath in, like, the hood, you still want it to look nice. You yeah. want it to feel turnkey, but like you paint the cabinets, you put new hardware on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like because you don't have the value is so low in that area that you don't have to fix it up as much in order to get someone to purchase it, right? Yeah. It's just the way it goes. You don't, it's not like you're trying to do, you don't do a shitty job. You don't cut corners, yeah. right? But there are certain things that are done in the more high end houses that cost more money to do. So for example, um, when you when you paint a house right on the inside, a lot of like new houses, for example, or just in general, it's typically standard that you don't paint the ceiling the same color. Mm-hmm. You paint the ceiling white, and the reason why you do that, and is because the you don't paint the same. You're not going to want to paint the ceiling the same color as the walls. You're going to want to paint the ceiling color white, regardless of what color you paint the wall. And the mm-hmm. reason for that is it makes the room look bigger, right? Gotcha. If you're using a light beige. It doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. can paint the ceiling one color and that cuts down costs 
Interesting. On your overall paint job, mm. and it speeds up how quickly you can put it back on the market, which means you get your money back to buy something else and flip it that much faster. You sneaky motherfucker. But it's 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 not cutting a corner. You're not not painting it, right? Like you're actually doing a good job. It's just that you don't put the white cap on. Yeah, and it sounds like at that point, you've got probably multiple jobs going at one time, multiple yeah. flips going at one yeah. time. So how many would you typically have going between if it was in escrow where we were purchasing it, it mm-hmm. was a property where somebody was being evicted. It was in the process of being fixed up. It was on the market waiting to be sold or it was in escrow to be closed on. There was 10 to 12 properties at any given time. That's crazy. Yeah. We were buying, I think, three to four a month, something like that. Uh-huh. Well, between two to four, depending on the month, right? So like December, January, November, nobody wants to buy because nobody wants to move. Everybody wants to celebrate and stay in yeah. their houses. It's rainy, shitty weather. February is kind of slow. It starts to pick up towards the end, maybe mid-March. And then like towards yeah, the summer, it goes more nuts. market conditions on when you're actually doing that. Yeah. That was a question too. Um, so here's one that I, I wanted to ask you too. So have you ever flipped a house with no money? Is it possible yes. to actually flip houses with yeah. zero money? I did a deal one time where the only money we spent was gas money and a few lunches. Really? Some ink to print on the paper and the paper. <laughs> and then we made $75,000 and that was in a month. So how did that work? I can't tell you that. Oh my you God. Have you, <laughs> you have to no, buy the course. You got to buy the course. I'm just kidding. There's no course. I wish I should make a course. Oh my God, you should. We talked about that once. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was an assignment of contract. Okay. So there was this, we had, we were buying leads from a service. The leads were, uh, coming in and for every like hundred, 120 leads, we would get a deal. And so this sweet old lady called and she's like, yeah, I want to sell my property. So we go out and it's in Angwin, which overlooks Napa Valley. This particular property was down this really special street in Angwin that overlooks Napa Valley and it had a dual lake view, meaning it looked at Lake Hennessy and Lake Berryessa while looking down on the entire Napa Valley. It was a beautiful location. And so our idea was we would we would add a second story to this property. Oh wow. And we were going to completely fix up the bottom floor and then you would never be able to tell that it was, you know It's a big undertaking. It was a huge it was a huge project. And so we offered her, I think like we were thinking we would be able to sell it for like low twos or high million. Really? Like one point something, like one point eight million or something. And we figured I think it was gonna be like a I don't know, two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollar project. It's like one of the biggest it would have been one it would have been the biggest one I'd ever done. Yeah. It still is the best deal I've ever done, Uh but it would have been the biggest fix up that I'd ever done. And so uh, we signed the contract with her for one million twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then um, what was it? One? No, it was one million fifty thousand. And then I don't know. Let's just say it was one million dollars sure. because I can't remember. Make it easy. So we signed the contract, and then we pushed out the deal. We had a network of investors at that time. There mm-hmm. were like five or six hundred people on this list. So we push out the deal in an email and said, "Hey, we got this deal. Our estimated value is this. Smart. Estimated cost is this." We're willing to assign it for this much. Mm-hmm. Or I mean the, the total price is this much, right? Yep. Like one million uh one oh no, it was one million twenty-five thousand, right? That okay. was the price. So we told everybody else the price was one million one hundred thousand. Sure. And assignment fee built in, right? So we start getting calls and this guy calls us and he turns out this particular individual turned into a guru later on mm-hmm. and we had done other deals with this guy and so he goes i got a buyer he's got a huge amount of money he wants to buy this property he wants to go take a look at it and we're like okay so we go out 
Long story short, he buys the property. We pay this guy mm-hmm. who brought us the buyer an assignment fee of $50,000. It was a reward fee because yeah. you can't pay him a commission, right? That's not legal, right? So we we paid a a reward fee for a finder's fee is what it's actually called, right? Sure. For, for finding us the buyer. The buyer ends up closing on the contract. Title company does this. They take the money from the buyer. They take the deed from the seller. Mm-hmm. They give the buyer the deed. They take the money and give it to the seller, but then there's leftover money. So the other contracts that are in there for the assignment of contract. So they divvy up that money. $50,000 goes to the, as as a finder's fee. And there was $75,000 left over. Mm -hmm. That money came in to us. And that was a one, I think it was technically, I think it was 45 days. That's pretty good. That's crazy. It was crazy. What would you say are some of the most important lessons that you learned, um, that you wish you had probably known when you got started. Obviously, you can't know everything, but what are some of the most important? Give me the top. Well, the number top one, ones. I think I went over the first one. <laughs> you did. Don't be too scared to call don't somebody. Don't be scared to call. Yeah, your idea is not unique. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that will you know, screw you over sometimes. Right? Yeah, you got but lucky. You found somebody that's I found, decent. Yeah, so again, that has to do with networking with people, right? And don't try to pretend and like you're some big hotshot. Be your honest Tell self. Them, hey, look, I'm hungry. I'm looking. If I find something, I want to yeah. work with someone and learn right yeah, and, I don't think you handled it wrong it's like I'm yeah. hungry to do this I want to work with you I yeah. want to learn because at the end of the day the guy who has the money he's not wanting to go out and spend all of his time doing this stuff he just wants money to come to him and so yeah. your job is to give him value which is your time your hustle that he doesn't even have an interest in having anymore right yeah. so he's on a different part of the game um, yes. I'd say that one of the things this is an interesting one this is one of the reasons why I don't do it anymore One of the things I learned is that it's always a hustle to find the next deal. Yeah. No matter what you do, you are going to look for another deal and you're going to look for another deal after that and another deal after that. And even if you're making 30 or $40,000 flipping houses every month where you have one closing every month, it's a hustle. You still have to find the next deal. Yeah. And that is not fun. That gets old and <laughs> got you, to be a grind for you. I yeah. And I don't I mean, like there are a lot of reasons why I didn't go back into it after I got out of it. But that has got to be the biggest one, mm-hmm. which is the reason why I started the goat wall art, because it's something that runs like it's running right now. Just, People are buying products right now. You don't have to hustle for I it. I don't. I, I have to hustle, but well, it's somewhat, a different kind of I could take a, a break. Kind of hustle. Once you have a system in place with staff to respond to customers and stuff like that. I could go live on Hawaii and pick my nose on the beach and money will still come in. I don't have to fly back to California to look for a goddamn deal every month or every yeah, week. It's not on you it's, to do that. Yeah. And so it's thing. a lot more difficult to to build a system in real estate mm-hmm. than it is to build a system for selling just, you know, general products. I can't think of, I think, again, the networking thing. That's another one that's really big. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, you're really only as good as your network or the five people you surround yourself with, right? So you're Absolutely. kind of a combination of those things. So I would say definitely having the right people around you. You don't want to be in real estate and hanging out with a bunch of potheads. And not to say there's anything wrong with smoking weed, but the drive that's there for that group is very different than the drive for somebody who's trying to hustle and make money, right? They should match you and your intensity. Yeah. I'm sure. Like, I'm not saying ditch your friends. Friends are important. And sometimes you can't put like a value on a friendship. You can't really put like, um, uh, like what that friendship's going to bring you long term. But 
if you're in this industry, it's better to have exactly. You want to, the people the that you thing. typically are around, you want those people to be influential in positive ways and yeah. to help you grow. And somebody who's smoking weed all day and playing video games, living at home with mom and eating <laughs> fucking, what is, what are the guy on, not 40 year old version, but, uh, well, it was a stepbrothers, right? If you're like Brennan, right? And you're hanging out with a bunch of people like Brennan, don't be like that. Don't if you want to like be successful in real estate, right? Or any other, you know, career that's, choice or something where it requires hustle. That's a great segue to our last question. Oh here. boy, so, what is it? What would you say is one of the worst deals you've ever done? Worst deals? Oh man. Uh, and maybe tell me what you would have done differently if you I, could. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> That's easy enough. Oh my God. So, okay. So there was this, uh, this property that was out in the country and we, we went out to it and we met with the buyer. This and, Solano County still? Uh, no, it was Napa County. No, Butte County, which is outside of Napa County. It was out by Lake Berryessa. It's like up North a little bit. Yeah. Super dope property. Had uh-huh. like this like old, um, rail car top that oh, made wow. like this bridge to go across, like from the street onto the property. There's a huge mountain. It, it was, it owned a big chunk of it behind it. Uh-huh. Um, it had this seasonal Creek that ran through it with fish and so the property needed a new well. Um, it was a, um, uh, a manufactured home. Mm-hmm. So it had been, uh, built in pieces and then brought to the property and then built on the property yeah, yeah. not to be confused with like a trailer or something like that something they're all different yeah. right yeah but it wasn't it was not a stick home. built home right it's not a traditional like single family residence it yeah. was it was assembled somewhere else and built which ha- they have a lower value um yep and so it was a really cool property though mm-hmm. and we went out there and we bought it and um we ended up having to give it was actually a series of deals that were really bad, but this particular one mm-hmm. was outside of the normal purchase. And so what this deal taught me was don't you know, once you build a system and you have kind of a cookie cutter thing, be very, very careful when you go outside of that. Yeah. Because the rules that apply within your standard system won't necessarily apply to something that's way out in and left. Where field. did you go outside of your system? We for that bought one? we bought a property that was country property on a bunch of acres with a lower demographic for them to be able to purchase it, a lower population or customer base. Yeah. It was a very different kind of customer. We had to sit on this. So like, you know, we're used to buying a property in town, standard house. We buy it. We fix it up. We put it on the market. We sell it. It closes. That's a three to four month process. Now you're sitting on inventory. Now we're sitting on inventory. That money's tied up. We can't get it out of the property. Then on top of that, we bought at the top of the market when the market crashed during that whole, you know, the big short Mm -hmm. movie during that whole thing. So we had like five properties that was like the worst one. We ended up having to give it back to our investor instead of foreclosing oh, wow. us and making her go through all that. We mm-hmm. were just like, Hey, here you go. Obviously she didn't fund us anymore. Right. Yeah. She took over that property. Then she had like, I think uh, she rented it out. I want to say like the people living there caught it on fire and she oh, had insurance God. money out of it. So it worked out for her, it I def- think, Yeah. but I-, I could be wrong about that. But the point I'm, I'm trying to make here is, is that when you go outside of, of, what you normally do, you need to be incredibly cautious, right? Yeah. Like know, definitely know what you're doing. Yeah, you know if you're, you're flipping real into. estate and you're crushing it, if you decide you're going to become a stockbroker all of a sudden, it's a whole different fucking world. It has different or rules. Or now you're going to start flipping apartment. Yeah. You buildings. don't start at the top. You still start at the bottom. You just happen to have money, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't mean anything. It Your knowledge base is still shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's... 
it, you want to build a system and you want to stay within that system and those parameters. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. All right, sir. I think we are done for today. That's yeah. a lot of information. Have I don't fun even... editing that shit. You might have to do a part one and a part two, dude. We'll see. That's the hour and seven <laughs> minutes right now, but I think we're gonna be okay. Yeah. I don't do a, a ton of editing on these, but really? Yeah. Oh, I don't. God. I don't chop it up too much. Like I haven't had to luckily so far, but this one I might have to a You're little. You're gonna bit. have to. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little. There's a yeah. There's we'll a see. lot. It could be an hour episode. Really? <laughs> yeah. I would, dude. Dice it up. 30 minutes would be good. Yeah, 30 minutes? Do... Aren't you trying to keep them around 30 minutes? 45, really, but I could really? I could break this one into 30 minutes. They've been consistently about uh, 45 minutes. I break it into two. Yeah. It's a lot to consume. I think it is. It totally is. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening to this, thank you for working your way through part two. <laughs> yeah, seriously. All right, man. Let's All right. call it a day. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.